This is Shi'ar Jashub, and for the next quarter of an hour, we will have Bible study with Pastor Greg Scalzo. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and my husband is the pastor of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle, which meets in Madison, Connecticut, every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane. Today, we will be concluding an important sermon in the Heavenly Authority series from 1 Samuel chapter 26. Saul has pursued David with his army, but the Lord allowed a deep sleep to fall on Saul's camp, permitting David and his nephew Abishai to enter and take the spear and jug of water near Saul's head. Abishai wants to drive the spear into Saul, but David will not let him, saying, Who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? When we left off last time, David, now afar off, has called out to Saul and the people. Let's rejoin Pastor Greg. Verse 20, so now do not let, he says to Saul, do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of Yahweh the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea as when one hunts a partridge in the mountains. You got all these other people, evil people advising you, and you're coming out and I'm like a flea. I'm like something you go hunt when you go on a hunting trip. David's saying, I'm insignificant. And you notice the humility that David has. Why are you seeking me out? Pretty much what he was saying the last time. Then Saul said, verse 21, and again you have Saul's repentance. I have sinned. He knows it. I have sinned. Return, my son David. Come back to me, for I will harm you no more, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. He's an error exceedingly. True. True. How true? He has played the fool. He has played. How many will say that at the judgment day, when all of a sudden their eyes are open and they see what they've done, I've sinned, I've erred, I've played the fool. David has done Saul no harm, and yet Saul has been mad and angered against him. And you can say, what harm has the son of David done to anyone that so many should hate him? There's a hatred of so many when you say the name Jesus Christ. There are so many that love that name, that worship that name, and there are so many others who he has done nothing to that maybe you say well, they should be neutral to him, maybe they shouldn't believe in him if they don't, they don't feel they should. Though there's plenty of evidence to tell them they should. But that's not it. It's not, you know, belief and love in him or just a neutral, I don't know. There's a hatred. What has the son of David done to them that they should hate him so? Just like what did David do that Saul should hate him so? What harm, what evil has he done? Except maybe he's told them the truth, even as David is telling Saul here the truth. Verse 22, and David answered and said, here is the king's spear. Let one of your young men come over and get it. He won't even keep his spear. He wants to give it back to Saul. Verse 23, may the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. 
That scripture is foundational to the New Testament teaching. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Repay every man. Yahweh repays every man for his righteousness, doing what's right, and his faithfulness, trusting God to do his part. And that's what David's doing, right? In this whole section, in his reaction to Saul, he's not doing what's natural. He's not killing. He's not getting angry. What is he doing? He's doing what's right. He's not fooling himself about Saul's condition because he's also faithful. He knows God's in control. God's going to take care of it. But he knows you have to do what's right. You know, in this world, we're not called to do what we feel like doing. We're not called to do what others think we should do. We're called to do what's right and to trust in God. And he's righteous and he's faithful. And he says, the Lord repays every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. And he values... He values Saul's life. If you do what's right and you believe in God to do his part, then you can trust the Lord to deliver. He doesn't trust Saul to deliver him. What does he say here? He says, and let him, the Lord, Yahweh, deliver me out of all my tribulations. Why? Because your life was valued much this day in my eyes. I could have killed you. I didn't do it. He valued Saul's life. And he knows he's supposed to be the king. He knows Saul's trying to kill him. And when we value others in that way, we can trust the Lord to value us and for him to deliver us out of all our tribulations, just as he delivered David. He considers Saul's life precious. And there's a blessing to David as a result. And that's probably because he is so considerate of Saul's life, so Saul doesn't deserve it. That's probably the reason why when David himself later on grievously sins, God doesn't take his life. You know, as it says in Psalm 18, 25, with the merciful you will show yourself merciful, with the blameless man you will show yourself blameless, with the pure you will show yourself pure, and with the devious you will show yourself shrewd and devious. He values Saul, and then God will bless him and value his life, even when he sins greatly. His life is not taken from him. This is what this section is all about. Touch not my anointed. Righteousness and faithfulness. It must be remembered that when there is a conflict in the church, here you have two anointed ones at odds, right? And most church conflicts are like that. I'm talking now, I'm not talking about cults. I'm talking about those who have had anointing upon them at some point in their lifetime. When you have a conflict between churches, when one of God's anointed goes astray, and when there's an opposition between ministries, when other believers sin against us or attack us, doesn't mean you don't speak out and say the truth, but you're supposed to speak out. You should say the truth, but you don't take a spear and drive it in their heads. That's not the wisdom of the Lord. We're not to destroy ourselves. The, the enemy wants to destroy us. The Philistines want to destroy them badly enough 
There's no reason we should destroy ourselves from within. And a lot of times what moves that type of attitude of destruction is jealousy. Just the way Saul is jealous of David. You know, people are so caught up in their church, their church size, their message, their teaching. And, you know, God gives one a message one way, one has one emphasis, one has another. And it doesn't mean everybody's perfect. Who goes off on this? Who goes off on that? But you don't take a spear and drive it in, in their head. And that's really what the late 80s was about. There was tremendous jealousy at a time when every one of those ministries was doing wonderfully. And people were flocking in. They were envious of them. They said, we, if, if we were the number one, we could get that money too. And they were jealous of each other. And everything was destroyed for years. To this day, you say teller evangelism, and people take it as a dirty word. And what was wrong with using the television, right? The liberals have no problem. The elitists, the atheists, the agnostics have no problem using the TV to evangelize with their gospel, which is no gospel at all. What was wrong with you with using the television? You can disagree, you can be in opposition, but you don't drive a spear in the other person's head. You let it alone, you give it up to God, and you, you do what's right, and you trust the Lord to deal with them. Then in verse 25, it says, and we'll close there. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. So almost like Saul now is under a little bit of anointing again. He gives David a blessing. He prophesies that you shall do great things and you will prevail. You'll keep doing them. You're going to prevail to the end. Unlike him who he did great things, but he will not prevail. And one more time, Saul gets lucid. And then they go their separate ways. And we'll leave it there uh, for now. Next time, Lord willing, we'll see how when a situation gets too much, even the faithful of God stumble. And David does something that's not wise because of this opposition with Saul. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the teachings in your word. We thank you, Lord, for the examples that you give us. And how you don't just say them once, but you repeat, Lord, the different things we need to know over and over throughout history, Lord, and throughout the scriptures, that we learn the principles, Lord God. And here, Father, we've understood this morning the importance of your Spirit's touch and the importance of the ministries that you established, Lord. And the respect that we should have for the sake of your spirit, for the sake of your cause, for the sake of your nation. Father God, that we would not hand each other over, Lord, to be slaughtered. But Father, we would trust in you, do what is right, and believe you, Lord, to deal with each of your children in the way they must be dealt with. Father God, we pray that we would understand the protection we have against the Philistines, Lord. Father God, in the protection we have from those who are called by your name that don't act by your name, but have that murderous intent in their heart like Saul. Father God, give wisdom in every situation, we pray. 
and in our land, Lord, make there be healing. We know that there is a false ecumenicalism, Lord God, that speaks about unity apart from you and apart from your son Jesus, that tolerates everything and stands for nothing, and that really can be a tool for the Antichrist. But we also know, Father, that in your scriptures, it tells us that at the Last Supper, Jesus prayed that the true believers, those who believe in him, would be as one. And Father, we pray that all the petty squabbles and all the divisions and all the jealousies and all the power struggles and politics that are in the true church, Lord, and you know the true church, you know those places that really believe in your Son, that your Spirit is there and touches and anoints. Father, all, that, all the pettiness would be wiped away. Lord God, and that there would come a strength, Father God, from believers pulling together and tying together and trusting in you and having the attitude of David to touch not those whom you have anointed and to do your prophets no harm. In Jesus' name, amen. We know it is terribly difficult to find the time to write in today's fast-paced world. But if you could find the time to drop us a postcard, your words of encouragement would be a real blessing. Our address is Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut 06405. And as always, we welcome you to join us at our church service. Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m in the upper room of the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. May the Lord's presence overflow in your life as you serve Him.